This is the Dare to Dream Physician Travel Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Waylee Gray. Hey, you know how many physicians today are feeling overwhelmed and trapped living that busy and unfulfilling life? Yet more than ever, we as physicians are keenly aware that life is precious and tomorrow is not guaranteed to anyone. My mission is to help physicians start living their best life now by discovering and achieving their wildest travel dreams. So come, join us on this journey. Welcome back to another episode, the second episode of the Dare to Dream Physician Travel Podcast. I'm so excited. Sometimes change can be scary. And after podcasting for almost two years, it's scary to to make a change. But I felt like I wanted to make this change for a Dare to Dream Physician. And I wanted to pivot to make it around a travel theme. So it was really scary when I was thinking about it. But now that I put out the first travel podcast out there, I am just super excited. And so part of what I love about podcasting is I get to observe when I'm in a room, whether it's like a virtual room or an actual live person room, I get to observe people that I really admire and hear their tidbits of their story. And if I get really fascinated, I get almost like this gut feeling like, wow, I want to meet this person and learn more about them. And then I get to invite them to the podcast and ask them to share their story. So this is basically this guest. She's really a stranger to me. And I love that because isn't that so much of traveling? You meet a stranger on the road and and there maybe there's something about them that that's really fascinating to you. And then you just strike a conversation, you learn about them and you connect with them. And so that's what we're going to do today. I am so excited to introduce our guest today. Her name is Dr. Stella De La Vega, and I know a little bit about her, but I'm going to have her tell us everything because I I just have so many great questions that I I can't wait to ask her. So welcome. Welcome to the podcast. (laughs) Oh, thank you. Thank you for having me here. So yeah, my name is Stella De La Vega. I'm an urgent care doc in Southern California. But originally from, gosh, everywhere, from Philippines to Mississippi to St. Louis to California. And this is where I am now, where I'm working as a doctor, but I'm also on the side, very avid traveler. And foremost out of everything that I love is sailing. And this is this is what initially drew my attention, because here we are, we're attending a physician summit has nothing to do with travel. And you you posted this photo of yourself sailing. And, and you mentioned that, that you, you you did a, a Caribbean sailing trip. And I'm thinking, wait a minute, where where did this doctor learn how to do this? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> how, how did you learn how to sail? Because oh, wow. that seems like just not something that most people know how to do. Yeah, yeah. I didn't grow up sailing. In fact, I after college, I moved to San Francisco because I just simply followed my heart and I knew my heart was there. And when I moved there, a friend of mine who was actually a friend from college has an uncle with a sailboat. and He was basically training a bunch of people how to sail for his races. So he was a competitive sailor. And my friend actually just invited me because she didn't have a car. She just needed to get there. So long story short, I showed up and I learned. And when he invited us for a race, I said, yeah, sure. And so I showed up for the race and 
pulled the right ropes, which we call sheets, actually, and did all the right things. And at the end of it, he said, you know what? I want you to be my bowman. I said, you know what? I don't know what the heck that is, but sure. And so he taught us how to sail and I just caught the bug and it just really changed my life. And in fact, that was even before I realized I wanted to become a physician. And it was through my experience in sailing that it taught me so much about myself and what I'm actually capable of. And so I pivoted from, at the time I was a paralegal and decided to become a physician while I was sailing in New Zealand. That's a whole nother story. And yeah, hit the ground running shortly after had my epiphany on the sailboat, in fact, and became a physician a few years later. So, okay. (laughs) Yeah. All right. I have so many questions now. That's the, (laughs) Karen, you just shared a few sentences from your life. I'm like, oh, I need to ask her more. (laughs) Okay. So you, you, you had this, you went to San Francisco and then because your friend needed a ride, you were the driver and then got in a sailboat and, and then tried sailing for the first time. And then that's how you caught the bug. So, so tell me the moment, if you can think back, if you can remember the moment, what, what was it like? When were you had this aha moment and, and thought, wait, this is really amazing. I want to do this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Gosh, sailing is such a love for me now. And there's so many things about sailing that made me think about what life is and what it's like to be around people in close range within a sailboat. At that time, I was sailing like 30-foot boats, and typically there's usually about five to six people on board. And so you really get to know each other really well. And in the uh, culture of racing sailboats, things go really fast. And sometimes, especially in San Francisco Bay Area, where, where I learned how to sail, and the wind can be pretty crazy. You can have some very hairy situations where you really need to learn how to gather your wits about you (laughs) and put yourself in a good mental state so that you can get through the race. But not just that, to make sure you get through the race safe and sound because people capsize, people can die out in the bay and in the ocean. And I've had a few people I know who have. And then uh, on top of it, you I was really into physics. So there was this whole idea to me that it was a thinking man's sport. So as I was learning how to sail, you, I was learning about Bruno Lee's principle and how it applied on a sailboat. And then after that, learning about the mechanisms of a sailboat in and of itself. And then beyond the sailboat, you have to learn about the weather, the currents. So you start thinking outside of the boat and yourself and how it affects you. And then ultimately, there's a saying that a lot of sailors say, you can't adjust the wind, but you can adjust your sails. So when you go out there and you're full on in front of mother nature and all the things that is at her whim, and you basically just have to adjust yourself based on what she gives you. And ultimately you'll get to your destination by being being flexible and being the kind of person that can just pivot when you need to and and not be afraid of the unknown. Mm. Um, But you have an inner compass, your North Star, whatever it might be to get you there. And you you just have to believe in yourself and you have the smarts to get through the waves or the currents or whatever crazy wind shift Mm. comes at you. So there's really no one thing I could say that I loved about sailing, but it's just that to me, it just encapsulated so many things in life that I needed to know to be my 
better self, really, actually. Mm. Yeah. Wow. And I'm so fascinated how sailing led you to medicine when you were a paralegal mm. and was not thinking of becoming a doctor. Mm. <laughs> yeah, I think at the time when I became a paralegal, it was shortly after undergrad. And I was actually an anthropologist in undergrad. And there was a lot of pressure on me about paying off my student loans and making money and do something more with myself and become an anthropologist because my family just simply thought, okay, where are you going to go with that? I said, okay, well, I'm, let's, let me take the skills that I learned from anthropology and let's say maybe I could use it in law, reading and writing in law. And and so I became a paralegal mainly because one, I wanted to pay off my student loans first and then get to know what the uh, industry was like, be around lawyers, work with lawyers. And I took the LSAT and everything. I just went through the motions and just my heart wasn't in it. And at the same time, I was learning how to sail. 9-11 happened within about a couple of years that I was a paralegal and I was applying to law school. And that just shifted my world entirely. And I said, okay, something's not right with the world. I left my job at a very successful law firm. I was close to making six figures at the time and on track to even potentially come back and work for that law firm. Went to New Zealand, tried to reconnect with my anthropology dream, actually, because I have an uncle that were practicing anthropologists oh, uh, wow. there. Yeah. So as I was trying to reconnect with my anthropology self, I continued to sail because, of course, New Zealand is one of those places in the world where sailing is a big thing and America's Cup was happening the following year. So when I got there, as I was exploring my anthropology, trying to reconnect with anthropology, I sailed with some of the best sailors I've ever met, actually including some of the America's Cup sailors who were there practicing for the race for the following year. And in that time that I was there, having been disconnected from everything else that I was comfortable with in the United States, and just at the same time, I was understand, I forgot to tell you that my aunt had cancer at that time. And that was actually one of the reasons why I went there, not just because I want to reconnect with anthropology and spend time with her, getting to know her disease process and realizing that I actually really like the sciences and the medical sciences. And as I was sailing and remembering all the things that sailing has taught me, I realized, you know what, you can do this. You can shift yet once again. And this is actually it. And in the time that I was in New Zealand, I had all kinds of invitations actually to race to Fiji. I met a man who was financially independent and wanted to whisk me away and sail around the world. I said, no, honey, I, I can't. I, I just found my calling. <laughs> I got to go back to the U.S. and be a student again and learn how to become a doctor. He just looked at me like, are you crazy? I said, maybe, but let's do this. So yeah, the sailing taught me how to adjust myself, you know, sales once again, and never turn back after that. Wow. So. <clears throat> wow. So you were the moment when you decided that, yeah, I can do this. I, 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 I want to become a doctor. You were on the sailboat, you were sailing. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I left the dock and I, I'm still sailing, basically. <laughs> uh, yeah. Wow. <laughs> 
Okay. That that is so cool. What I'm actually just trying to connect the dots with this in this story is so you went to New Zealand to see your aunt and and they work as anthropologists. How did you get on a sailboat? How did you get <laughs> into oh, the sailing yeah. community from there? The beautiful thing about the sailing community is that if you are willing and able and enthusiastic, people will just put you on a boat and they'll teach you everything they know. And that's actually how I learned. When I was in San Francisco, I learned how to sail initially through my friend's uncle. But once I caught the bug, I knew that there's these things called beer can races all around San Francisco Bay. Basically, nearly every day of the week after work at any yacht, one of the yacht clubs, you could show up and they have these what they call beer can races, which is pretty just fun, low-key races, some of which is to practice for the big races on the weekends and to get your new crew used to each other and used to the boat and refine your team. And so I would just show up. So for example, Berkeley Yacht Club on a Friday night, you can show up at 5.30, you can lug your sailing gear with you and somebody spots you and say, hey, what do you want to do? Do you know how to sail? And you can say, not really. Or you can say, oh, I know this, and this is usually the position that I do on a boat. And based on what you tell them, they'll say, okay, come on board. And and then the, based on what you tell them, they can put you wherever they feel that it's you fit on the boat. Or if you're just really a novice, they could make you what they call rail meat. <laughs> Which means that you just sit on the high side of the boat to keep the boat from tipping over too much. But, <laughs> but in the process, you learn. You learn as you go, and they'll teach you. You'll make mistakes, and you keep learning. And that's exactly what I did when I went to New Zealand. I basically showed up in this area where a lot of the boats are. And there's a yacht club there. I think there was a couple yacht club there. On my way to the yacht clubs, I just showed up at one bar where I knew a lot of sailors are. So I met one sailor who was actually the guy who wanted to sail with me around the world eventually. But I, I met these other guys, some of which were the America's Cup sailors. And then I kept walking and with this guy, he said, ah, there's a race on Wednesdays to show up. I was like, okay, you show up at the dock and somebody just basically chats with me and realizes my skills and puts me on a boat. And, and there you go. And I sailed with them for a good three months while I was there and you meet one person and the next person and if they have room on the boat they'll put you on so yeah wow (laughs) that's how you learn and and you said that usually the boats are like maybe five or six people that are that are on the boat Mm, it really depends on the size of the boat. Some of the boats are quite small. You can sail a boat on your own, which is a dinghy, or you can be on a 30-foot boat, which is typically five or six people. I've been in bigger boats, 70-footers, where you have a dozen people on board. Yeah, so it really depends on the size of the boat. Mm. Yeah. So this is totally a foreign world to me. I mean... <laughs> And I know going sailing is, is very different from being on a cruise, but like just, mm-hmm. just for context, like I've never even been on a cruise. I have so many questions. So so you go on this long sailing journey mm-hmm. with, with with a crew. Like what if you don't like them or what if they're they turn out to be axe murderers? Like that <laughs> <laughs> not as axe murderers, but <laughs> before med school, I let's say about a couple years well after after I came back to the US from New Zealand, I came into this realization that I can step up my game and do what they call one design races. And it's kind of higher level sailing 
where you have, let's say on a boat, half professionals and half amateurs. And in those kinds of boats, you end up with people that you're not usually with on a regular basis because you would end up with professional sailors that the owner would decide, okay, let's put him on because he's really good. Or you go to a race out of town and there's a professional sailor at that town that you want to put on your boat. So you're constantly being around people that you're not in your regular team. And some of them are what they call yellers. They're not very good in terms of being mentally stable. (laughs) There's actually a a term for them. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. They get really worked up when things get really hairy. The wind is horrible. It's just the race is not going well. And these are professional sailors. But then you have the professional sailors who I really learned a lot from and had their their way of going about things and their sense of just kind of groundedness helped me through med school. And those are the kind of professional sailors that I've met who things can get really crazy and hairy. I mean, you're talking about big waves, big wind, and they, they're just the calmest people and they have a sense of just, uh, what do you call it? The equanimity. That's actually one of my favorite words. And, and you see what, how it plays out in a race and you remember that and you want to be that so you end up with those gem of people but you also have those other people who you realize okay that is not what I want to be when things get crazy and I want to be the person who's got the utmost equanimity about them yeah so but you still have to deal with it you go out and you race and it's let's say a whole day of racing And that's another thing I learned from sailing and racing in particular is you have a mission, which is to go sailing and race and win this race. And if the chemistry doesn't work out that well, where at the end of the day, you still have to get through this and you have this common goal to achieve. And ultimately, there will be some people on the boat who will lead in a positive way and you'll get through it and everybody will learn from it. Just an example. So do you remember the the first time you, you had a long multi-day um, trip on the boat? Like the first time you spent the night at sea? Mm. Like what was that yeah. like? Yeah. So luckily the first time I did that was with good friends. It was actually with the people that I learned how to sail with. And there was about, there, there was five of us and we knew each other so well that during races, I would hold on to something on a boat and somebody, and I'm at the front of the boat and somebody in the back of the boat will just simply know what ropes I need and how much tension I need. And there's just, just understanding among us. And so by the time we went out on a race in the middle of the ocean, which is basically for us at that time, it was from San Francisco to Monterey. It was literally about 24 hours on a 30 foot boat. You set off in the middle of the earlier in the day, and then you sail all the way through the night and into the morning. And they typically arrive in Monterey around seven o'clock or around sunrise in the morning. So it was great in that we knew each other really well. And it was a well-oiled machine of a team but for me it was really interesting because I've never been out in the middle of the ocean and so it was scary uh it was dark it was foggy you can't see anything and it was very cold and lots of demons (laughs) I've had to dealt with in that time because I'm actually scared of the water um so I had a lot of anxiety in terms of god the boat is gonna capsize there are great white sharks out here so 
Yeah, but I got through it and learned again a lot about myself through that ordeal and kept, yeah, kept the passion going. And actually, after that, I I wanted to do more ocean sailing. In fact, so I was yeah. expecting you to say like, "Oh, this is it was amazing, like the first time," but instead, you know, you're, <laughs> you're saying, "Oh, there were demons," and I was scared. That that's, that's yeah, good. yeah. And and what was it? So you just I, I didn't know this until you just said it. Like you're scared mm-hmm. of the you were at that point, you were scared of the water and yet you were sailing. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Yeah, that's an interesting thing about me. People are surprised to hear that. I don't know what it is, but there's something about me and just being in the water that scares me. It's a real phobia, actually. I mean, I could say that I'm not gonna drown because let's say well, at that time, I didn't know how to swim, but now I do know how to swim. But despite of that, just putting my head in the water, I just no matter how shallow the water is, I get a sense of I'm going to drown. I'm going to drown. I'm going to die. And my heart races. And I actually had to learn how to meditate in order for me to get in the water and actually properly swim. But when it comes to a boat, I always tell people I'm on something that floats. So I don't need to be in the water, but I'm on the water and I have a life preserver on me. So I have all these things that keep me feel safe. Right. But I love the sailing so much that that didn't really enter my mind about the fear of the water until you're out in the middle of the ocean and you're not close to the land and safety and other boats around you that could just rescue you. And so all all those fears came back to me when I was out there in the middle of the ocean. Yeah. (laughs) And so what about seasickness? Do you do you get that? Or are you one of the lucky people who don't get seasickness? Yeah, it turns out I am one of the lucky people. So recently, the longest ocean voyage that I've done was in a Trans-Caribbean voyage uh, sailing from Grenada, which is on the southeastern edge of the Caribbean Sea, to Panama. It was six days and a lot of wind, basically about 25 to 30 knots of wind, which is a lot for sailors. And the waves were anywhere from 12 foot to 15. There may have been some occasional 20 foot seas. Yeah. So you were in the the water. (laughs) Yeah. So the boat is going to move quite a bit. It's going to rock quite a bit. And one of the things that you learn when you're in a boat to reduce the seasickness is to look at the horizon. Mm -hmm. Um, Because then you are tricking your mind by looking at the horizon, which is pretty stable, that you're still on stable ground. But then when you go inside the boat, which you ultimately have to, to go to sleep, then your mind gets kind of confused, right? And that's where seasickness is at its most risk of happening. And I actually, I didn't know if if I was going to have seasickness or not. So I, I actually had a colleague give me scopolamine prescription and I brought quite a bit with me. But I didn't take it because as it turns out, my body was pretty well equipped to it. And I actually really enjoyed just moving around the cabin, getting washed around by the boat and the sea and learning how to just kind of move with it and just go with the flow. And my my captain, my my friend who was the owner of the boat, actually, whenever we're inside and especially when I'm cooking, he said, wow, it's really fun to watch you. <laughs> because you just seem to know how to move your body with the boat. And so, yeah, you just got to go with it. And yet another thing that I've learned about sailing, don't fight it. Just go with it and don't think too much about it and enjoy the moment. And yeah, so far I've yet to be seasick. 
That was part one of a two-part interview with Dr. Stella de la Vega. This is such an amazing interview, you guys. What I love about travel is that there are so many experiences that are out there in the world. And uh, some of those experiences are just really beyond our imagination. And so for me, what Dr. de la Vega talks about, this experience of sailing across the ocean, it, it is exactly that for me. It is beyond my imagination. And as a result of talking to her, my imagination of what's out there just totally expanded. And so I can't wait to share next week's episode with you. Stay tuned. Hey, thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed that episode, please share it with a friend and go on your favorite podcast app to give us a five-star rating and a review. It really helps us to get the word out there. Also, I am really excited to announce I've started a online Facebook community for physicians. Go and search for Dare to Dream Physician Travel. That's the name of the Facebook group. If you have trouble finding us, the link is also in the show notes. I hope to see you on the inside. 